My name is Madria Steven. I am 35 years old and I have a degree in music. I also have a degree in psychology and neuroscience and I almost completed a degree as an RN for nursing, but I didn't. I chose to do personal training instead, so I'm also a certified personal trainer specialist. So I am going to launch a podcast series called Working with Woes, and it comes from my hefty background, and I just realized through listening through podcasts that a lot of the podcasts are you know, from people whose suffering seems to be in hindsight, when they're kind of already successful, they have the success story. And I thought, you know, I'm not successful and I don't have the success story. And there's no one really out there to guide people like me who are still hurting. So, I mean, there's tons of information about PTSD and things like that, complex PTSD, which is what I have. We'll get into that. But there's not really any <laughs> help or a lot of help anyway that I've I've noticed and I've done a lot of reading and a lot of listening and a lot of watching and asking and seeking um, and there just seems to be lacking information about what it takes to help people like me to normalize and not be so shocked. I think a lot of the shock of normalcy does send people into addiction or suicide. And so I thought, you know what, I am not invisible anymore, so I am going to make a podcast because there are probably people out there searching just like I did and do, and there are probably people who want to help people like me but don't know how. So I'm just going to give some pointers. I have a series in mind. It'll be called Working With Woes is the overall name, and then there'll be a certain series within that. So the first series will be called The Basement Child. And that's where I will share some pretty heavy details about my background. So I'm not just going to be talking about what happened and, um, you know, oh, she did this, he did that, he said that, nothing like that. Um, well, I will be saying that, but that won't be the gist of it. I'll be going a little bit deeper into the emotional effects, the long-term effects, um, how it, it transferred into adulthood, the complexities that I still face today because of that and also how the stigmas um, don't help. <laughs> they, they might be true in some cases, but they are certainly not helpful in any cases. And I'll also be talking about what I learned recently in the neuroscience degree that kind of shocked me because I didn't know the severity of my situation. So the Basement Child series will be uh, details about what it was like to live with my biological family uh, so we are in Canada and I do not talk to them. I do not talk to four of them, my sisters and the biological parents. I don't talk to them, but I do talk to my brothers. All of the names will be changed in here just to protect them and protect myself. Yeah, my brothers and I are pretty close. We have some unique uh, experiences together and my sisters have expressed some wanting uh, relationship with me in the in the past, but I chose to decline because uh, they're still under the thumb of our parents. So it's not safe for me to do, and it was a very hard decision, but once I start sharing what life was like with the four of them, I'm sure you'll understand why it was probably the best decision to make. So I'll be talking about my siblings, and then I'll be talking about 
um, external family and connections with them and some of the things that they have said, how they've behaved and sort of the uh, impacts of, of that. The next uh, bit will be about teachers and social workers and specialists that were involved in my case when I was a small child and how social services knew the severity of my situation and they sent me back at seven years old. Even though people were calling and saying, don't send her back, she will not have a normal life. And they expressed concerns and all of them were accurate and exactly what happened. So is there a lot of anger about that? You betcha. I'm pretty pissed. They closed my file with those phone calls and sending me back. Nobody cared. And too much time has passed for me since I was seven to do anything about that. And then I'll also be talking about friends, how some of them, uh, you know, helped me and some of them didn't help. <laughs> okay. And then I'll also kind of talk about running away at the age of 13 and the drastic impact that had on my life. And then I'll be talking about how I was left in a parking lot at the age of 14. And then about foster hell, where I was blamed for everything and abused and lied to and used and all that. And then I'll talk about boyfriends, substances, school, work, and taking the reins from social services at the age of 15. It became effective at the age of 16, but it was <laughs> quite established at the age of 15. Um, then I'll go through the process of how I sought help. At a young age, I had counselors were involved um, and I had friends. I'll talk about how I was used as a foster child uh, for money. Literally, I was a dollar sign to most of them. Not all of them, but most of them. And uh, then I'll talk about reaching a turning point at the age of 16 when I was going to go to the streets. I should say back to the streets. And there were a, a couple of bus drivers that came on. And these two have approved the use of their real names. And they are the two that I call my parents. So if I say my parents or my mom or my dad, I do mean Carl and Cecile. And they have a very special place in my heart. And I have a special place in theirs. So from there, I'll talk about making the hard choices, um, you know, choosing differently, very consciously. And that meant leaving a lifestyle um, and friends that I, I knew for a very long time. There was a lot of resentment and a lot of sabotage that was not cool for me to endure just, just for choosing differently. And then I will go through the emotional impact of that. Um you know, the lack of closure that I have for, you know, like nobody that really hurt me was sorry. Like I'll never get an apology. They're still not sorry. They would still hurt me if they could. Um, and then I'll talk about the shocks of normalcy, delayed PTSD or CPTSD. That's the complex PTSD, which I have a little bit more of the long-term effects of certain things like eating or constantly worrying about stuff or even just natural fear reactions that still come out today even though I know I'm not there anymore. Then I have another series called Fairy Tales Don't Exist, dot, 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 or do they? And this one is going to branch into the more hopeful things. So I'm, I will talk a little bit about being a Cinderella without the prince. Um, <laughs> that was a catchphrase that I used to describe my life for a very long time, but now I, I don't really use that much. Um, now I use it more past tense. I was a Cinderella without a prince. So I'll, I'll expand on that more in that series. And then I'll talk about how when I was younger, 
and I got in trouble, which wasn't normal trouble. When people say they got in trouble as a kid, you know, my trouble was quite different and severe. And I'd be sent away afterwards and I, I would cry and pound my fist on the bed and say, I will be someone, I will matter, you know, God, get me out of here. You know, so I'll talk about my prayers and my faith and how it happened and how it just sustained me all the way through. It just stayed with me no matter what happened. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about how the impact of me taking the reins from social services at the age of 15 and it becoming implemented at the age of 16, um, how that changed in the way that my so-called friends treated me. Yeah, people treated me a lot, a lot differently without the dollar sign following me around. So that was pretty hurtful. Then I'll talk about some boyfriends and how their version of love, they, you know, didn't equal love. <laughs> they were saying love like that because they thought I needed to hear it. And for a time, because I was young, it did work. But I'll talk about, you know, how it wasn't love and it was pretty pretty freaking awful. <laughs> so I'll talk a little bit about the searches that I did, um, seeking like what is a healthy relationship and how I sought it. My quest for healthy relationships is what I call it. Then I'll talk about music, you know, the, the development and the experiences there. Then I'll talk about socializing and how I learned to socialize differently than, than with just friends and accept acceptance. Also to not be as offended by rejections and judgments and how things were used against me after people asked me to share and how my story is quite often disbelieved because when people meet me, uh, they just don't believe it for some reason. But it's like, why would I lie about that? I mean, if I wanted attention, I would just put my hair in a blue mohawk or something, right? That's also just a normal reaction. So I will include some other reactions to my story, to aspects of my story. This podcast series is probably going to be a lot more in depth than anything I've shared with people, friends, uh, previous boyfriends. Carla and Cecile probably know everything and more that was included in this podcast, but they are very, very unique and we have a very special bond. So there'll be a lot of reactions, I'm sure, out there as well. And I just want you guys to know that um, you can comment. However, if you're going to be rude and insulting or whatever, it'll just be deleted. So don't waste your time and don't waste mine. But if you have a question, whether it's for yourself or if you're thinking about helping somebody in a similar situation, do put it down. I will read them. And occasionally I will do a Q&A where I will read these questions and then answer them as a podcast. I think that would be kind of cool because it would involve you guys and then maybe it'll help as well. Okay, so then going on from that, I will talk about befriending Pollyannas and I will define that in the later podcast. This is still in the Fairy Tales Don't Exist or Do They series. And then I'll talk about holidays and how I hurt during holidays um, and they used to be very hard and the turnaround that I made within myself to enjoy them. Christmas was a huge one. Thanksgiving was another one. Mother's Day and Father's Day and birthdays were, were huge. So I'll, I'll be talking about that. And then I'll also talk about my grandparents. They're both passed away now, but they were quite evidently my favorite family members, or not favorite, my closest for a while. And my brothers did get to know them, especially my twin. 
and we had we had something good there so that was a nice bit of normalcy that I got to experience so my grandparents had a very evidently soft spot for me <laughs> it was funny because my twin was like I'll be the favorite and I was like yeah probably and then uh, I think it was quite clear that I ended up being the favorite which was surprising to both of us <laughs> and it was well received so that's good so I'll be talking about that, how I found them, how they responded, and just all of that stuff, and how it was redeeming. It was really good that I found them when I was 15. Then I'll talk about how I found my brothers and how we were separated. So my older brother I'll call Z, and my twin I'll just call K, just because. Um, and so I'll be talking about Z and K, how I found them, how they responded, and some of the difficulties that we had just learning to accept each other and also the strange simplicity of being ourselves with each other. It's kind of ironic, but it is pretty good and we do get along pretty good these days. I think we used to be a lot closer, but my twin and I, we were distant for a while and then we actually reconnected and I think we've actually gotten a little bit closer since. So that's really good. And my older brother and I have always kind of been the same towards each other, like can communicate pretty good and all that. So, and then of course my brothers bicker like brothers do. <laughs> they irritate each other and come to me about it and I just tell them how alike they are. <laughs> and that's not <laughs> really received well all the time, but it's funny. I'll be talking about a trip that my brothers and I did to Trinidad to meet some external family that I found and connected with. And also I'll be talking how I went to Ontario and I met some other external family and just the reception there. There was some different reception and how I connected online with another aunt. The other two are uncles. And the trip to Trinidad, I think, was a turning point for the three of us. In terms of family and just accepting ourselves and accepting each other. So that was pretty awesome. So I will talk about that. And I will talk about my biological mother's response to that. Um, and how she was not cool. And then I'll be talking about how, you know, shortly after that, a bunch of things happened. And I don't know all of the details. So that's my disclaimer. I will be sharing from my perspective based off of the things I've heard and based off of how these people have treated me personally my whole entire life right until now. And I'm going to be talking about what made that decision final for me to let them go um, because I bent over backwards. I gave them everything they wanted and more and they still were very extremely sabotagey and negative and accusatory and in short abusive. So I, I had to let them go and endure the shocks of normalcy. The shocks of normalcy series will be about some of the friends that I made and I'll just give a letter for, for their names. I'll be talking about art and music and fitness and academia, like the shocks of academia. So this is where more of that information about the degrees that I took will come into play, especially the psych and the neuroscience, because I'll be talking about some things that were said in class and how they were said and how I felt and how I approached it. And then I'll also talk about roommates, roommates from hell. They honestly, I did not have a good experience. Some I did. And some I didn't. And so we'll delve into the goods and the bads and how I have adjusted to that. And then I'll talk about the complexities of reading the social services files and what that entails. So I'll, I'll detail how I got them 
what they contain, some of what they contain, there's millions of them. Like they have everything like phone calls, letters. There were a lot of specialists involved and they have notes and referrals and just everything right from pre-birth. So right from my older brother's birth to um, when I was 16 and they closed the file or they closed it while I was in, in the music degree. So I was almost done that and they, they closed it with that. Anyway, so I'll be talking about a lot to do with that. Just seeing everything from such a different perspective and so many different people. How I was um, portrayed or perceived, um, seeing how some of them were quite distant and quite almost cruel or like not even objective. They were like kind of against me, it seemed like, in their writings. But then seeing that turnaround into how they became so that they were rooting for me by the age of 16. And then I'll talk about adulting. So as a teenager, I worked um, after my (laughs) time on the streets. I took up two jobs and I put myself through school, basically from grade 10 all the way through. So I was in a room and board situation. And that's, that's how I met Carl and Cecile. And I'll be talking about, so having to grow up in some ways very fast, like I'm a veteran of independence because I've been kind of on the streets and stuff since I was 15 for sure you know, 14, 15. So, so there's delayed development as well. And the friends that I befriended later in life, the Pollyanna, as I call them, (laughs) um, they kind of amplified that delayed development. And some of them were accepting, most of them were, but a lot of them didn't understand where I was coming from because they can't fathom my story. So I'll talk about forgiving people who are sorry and forgiving people who aren't sorry and the difference between them and recognizing the difference because some people can play that very well. I'll talk about forgiveness a lot. I'll be talking about, you know, what is forgiveness and the emotions that accompany forgiveness, what forgiveness means, what it looks like and the reality and the truth of it because there's like, oh, well, you haven't forgiven them if you express some anger. Um, I'll be addressing that. Going back to the academic talks, I did an interview with Brian Kolb and I actually befriended him very interestingly. (laughs) Um, He's one of the professors that said stuff in class that kind of shocked me. There's two of them anyway, and um, they're the ones that I'll be talking about how I felt and how I approached it. The interviews with Brian Kolb were my first podcast recordings and for some reason I was very nervous so there's a lot of likes and a lot of ums but just bear with it because the interviews are pretty cool. I really like what he is doing in terms of early intervention and program developments. So he was sort of my first academic like you're not stupid you can do this and he was um, shocked when I shared very little about my story so he's sort of like um I don't know, a side cheerleader, and he applauds this podcast idea and was happy to be a part of it. So it was pretty exciting. We still email back and forth. And then the other professor I had approached, and he was also flabbergasted by my story. And um, both uh, instructors offered me to work in their labs. And they're super renowned in the world of neuroscience in terms of, you know, founding it and, and their research and things like that. So at first I had declined the offer and then I was telling a psych professor whose lab I was in that this happened and he's like, you did what? Do you even know who these people are? 
Anyway, so I went simpering back and I was like, hey, can I work in your lab after all? And both of them said yes. And they went out of the way to make it happen. And it was very cool. However, with those experiences came some pretty severe academic disappointments. The disappointments about the reality of academia. That has set me farther back in life than I ever thought it would. And it also cost me my hope. So I will be talking about fallen offers and the costs of that. So there's a lot that I'll be covering, but the reason why is because I really want people to know how to love somebody like me, somebody with complex PTSD. And I also want to give pointers for people with PTSD, how to love Pollyannas. Yeah, the fairy tales do exist part is going to come through with Carl and Cecile. I'll talk about, you know, how hard I worked to have positive life experiences. I was so intentional about it because I knew and I still know, despite what I struggle with still, I still know that life can be good. And I just really seek that. I always come back to that. Sometimes I feel stupid for it. And other times I I just, I don't know, it just is a wired part of who I am. So I'll talk about traveling and some bucket lists and how I made those things happen And even some of the judgment that I got from that, which is crazy from friends and stuff. And then I will be talking about, I'll be talking about emotional safety and how words matter and how we both have to face ourselves and we both fear intimacy and how that um, has hindered the relationship. And then, you know, I'll be talking about how I prepare to be ready to be in a relationship. Now, being in a relationship doesn't mean, yeah, I'm ready to start dating. That's like part of A of it. The part of being ready to be in a relationship for me is I am ready to be in a healthy relationship. And this relationship kind of stopped being healthy after a while. In fact, I don't know if it ever really was healthy. So I actually pulled a plug on it just for a month or two because we we do have a connection and we both mean well and all of this stuff and we're both learning and we both have baggage in terms of previous relationships. I'll be talking about the difference between us and how pulling the plug was the best thing to do for me and how I saw it as the best thing to do for him and what we're doing while the plug is pulled, which is our current state of being right now. So there is a lot in there. Most of the podcasts will be about a half hour because some of these topics are really heavy. But um, if you cry, that is okay. If you don't cry, that is okay. My goal is not to generate anger because I have learned that anger does not help unless it motivates you to exercise. So that is the introductory podcast in a nutshell. Occasionally, I might put in a song that I wrote and recorded Um, And then I'll talk about the background of it just to do something different. If you guys like that, uh, say so in the comments and it'll give you guys a chance to listen to my expressions in a different way. I'll also give a little background on some of the songs too. Thank you for joining the introduction. I hope you guys listen. And if you, you like it, I really hope you comment on what was helpful and what wasn't. And feel free to kindly put constructive criticism like, okay, try this. This might be better. And that will be well received. I may not always respond, but I will read it and I will probably implement it if it's truly constructive. 
thank you very much. I'm happy that you guys are going to be part of my little podcast adventure. This is also healing for myself as well. And it's just, you know, I'm not invisible anymore and I want to do something to help. And the other venues that I pursued are dead-ended. And of course, I'll be talking about those too. Take care. Looking forward to sharing more of my working with woes. 